It's season two, creeps, and it ain't no skin off our tits, because we're doing Sleepaway Camp 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. The girls who cried be horror. Hi, everyone. It is season two, and if you thought we were going on any amount of a break, you're out of your fucking minds. It's me, Anya. And it's me, Alex. Can you believe that we actually did enough episodes to make another season? I can't. I know. Amazing. The journey, we did man. It. The journey. <clears throat> I'm, um, like, just oh, think about how... how far we've come since our sleepaway camp episode where we were like and then judy said this and then judy hit the volleyball <laughs> and i was like in the, it was fun but it was also like homework more than like just having a, a chill time with my friend i mean i literally had to have like a notebook out in front of me while we watched these movies and i was like oh, wait wait wait, write it back i missed something i missed something I remember the Anaconda episode, it taking me, like, 35 minutes to get the, like, first 10 minutes of uh, content, like, jotted down, and I was just, like, sweating by the end of it. It's awful. We, I feel like we talk about this all the time, just how Anaconda, like, was the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. Um, But we're not talking about, you know, Anaconda today. We're talking about uh, summer camp. You know, it's not quite summer yet, but, you know, we're getting in the spirit, and of course, you know, because this is in a way, a sequel. This is the sequel to A Girls Who Cried Be Horror, season two. So we had to start with a sequel. Uh, and that has to be, of course, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Camper. Um, uh, it's it's an experience. Oh, yeah. it's a, it's a There's a lot to say, so we'll get into it. Um, it's certainly not boring, I'll tell you that. No, not at all. And I actually, watching it, I had never seen it before. I had seen, I'd seen Sleepaway Camp uh, a few times, um, but I'd never seen any of the sequels, um, which is funny to me because it's like there was definitely a part of my brain that was like, oh, because they probably suck. Yeah, once again, as if like Sleepaway yeah. Camp is this like you know award worthy film. Um, but it's so funny because when we did our Sleepaway Camp episode, a friend of mine, Laura, who listens, um, she was like super supportive, and she like went and watched Sleepaway Camp, and then she was texting me that she was like, yeah, so now I'm watching the second one. And I'm watching the third one, and I was like, damn, she's committed. I haven't even seen those. Um, but yeah, so it was really fun to watch this one um, for numerous reasons. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to give away any of my thoughts and feelings quite yet, because there's lots to discuss. Yeah, well, just why don't you tell us about what the viewing experience was like for you in general? Um, I mean... It was, I mean, it was fun. Um, I, I definitely felt, it's one of those things where it's like things we brought up in sleepaway camp, but especially, you know, the, um, transgender issues that the Mm -hmm. film presents. Mm, I don't want to say they're not here in this film because they definitely are at the beginning. It's interesting because at the sleepaway camp, it feels like they're not there mainly because you don't know until the final moments and then it's kind of like oh jesus and Mm -hmm. then in this one because that's already established in the world it's kind of like brought up right at the beginning Mm -hmm. but then not so much the rest of the film um and i definitely felt there was um which we'll discuss there was some stuff about like which once again it's like it is the 80s, it's a slasher, it's directed by a man, it's written by two men, um, with its portrayal of women, 
Um, and I think it comes back to the interesting conversation of, like, how women are always pitted against each other. Um, mm, yeah. So I definitely had feelings about that. But it was – I remember when I got to the end, I was like, damn. That shit didn't sit right with me. But also, the fucking carnage level and the kills were so heightened from the first one. And they're so fun that I was like, mm, it's almost like an even balance for me. So that was my feeling walking away from the film. Yeah, I mean, this one is definitely much more of a horror comedy than the first one is. And oh, I, yeah. I don't think that this movie would work as well as it does without the lead performance of Pamela Springsteen because she's so fucking good. Because when she's not being a psycho, mm. she's just like so charming and I want to be friends with her. And then she's even charming when she's killing people. She's always smiling. She's always having the best time at camp. I just think she's like fucking delightful. Um, but I've seen this movie once before but it was only a year ago it was after we did our sleepaway camp episode because they were all at the time streaming on prime and i was like you know what i want to watch these because it's a fun movie and i want to watch the whole series and i'll say two and three both great i have a great time so it was <laughs> really fun to rewatch. i rewatched it with greg who had never seen it and he had a lot of fun too um it's just like you know there are problematic issues with it in terms of, like you were saying, the representation of women. I also think it's, like, homophobic and transphobic at times, which, you know, is in keeping with, you know, horror in the 80s. Um, but aside from all of the social issues, I think it's a lot of fun. The kills are fun. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is really silly. There's so many good lines. It's just, like, just so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um... So, uh, speaking of where it's streaming now, uh, mm-hmm. I believe it's no longer... It was on Shudder. They were also on Shudder for a period of time. They're not on Prime and Shudder anymore. They're currently streaming on Tubi and on Pluto TV with ads. Um, yes. If so, you're bougie and you don't want to sit through ads, mm-hmm. you can rent it for three ninety nine on either Prime or iTunes. I think it's worth it. It's a quick movie, but it's really fun. And it's fucking It's four literally bucks. like 80 minutes. So like mm-hmm. the ads will just make it feel like a full length 90 minute movie, honestly. That's so a good like, point. It's it's not anything. That's a big deal. Um, but should I should I give a brief synopsis before we get into fun facts? Or do you want to do fun sure. facts first? Um, you can do the synopsis. That's fine. So um, for those of you who will be sticking around because you've seen the movie or you don't care to watch it and you'll just listen to our discussion, here's the brief synopsis. We are back at another summer camp for Sleepaway Camp 2. I don't think they say the name of it, but it is not Camp uh, Arawak was the last it's, one. I mean, they don't say it, but it's on all of their t-shirts, the whole movie. It's Camp Rolling Hills. Mm, yes. Um... But so we start, and it's pretty much you open up at your classic, like, spooky bonfire. What are they talking about? And they're all telling horror stories. So, of course, one camper is telling this horror story of this summer camp that's, like, 60 miles away or some shit, or six miles, honestly, whatever, and how this girl, essentially retelling the plot of Sleepaway Camp. And this is kind of where, like, the uh, not-so-great ways of referring to people in the transgender community come up. Um, But... Then who appears, but Angela herself, but now much older, um, not played by uh, Felissa Rose, um, but instead Pamela Springsteen, and she is now a camp counselor, and she drags this girl away because she's not supposed to be out of the cabin, and it's clear that she is a strict rule follower, and this girl's giving her attitude, so what does she do in the middle of the woods? She kills her, and that's kind of the catalyst for the rest of the film, and she does it so casually, and honestly, the rest of the film is just 
Angela is a strict rule follower. She's very much a good girl. She follows all the rules. She wants to be your friend, but if she thinks, you know, you uh, are drinking or smoking or having sex, that's a no-no, and you will thus meet your demise. Very, you know, in line with slasher uh, ideals. You can't do any of that stuff if you want to live. Um, so as the movie goes on, there is a nicer, of course, sweeter uh, camper, Molly, um, who likes Angela, you know, thinks everybody is just like, gives her a hard time, but she means well until she starts to kind of put together that like, mm, something's off, especially as a lot of the counts, the campers get quote unquote sent home. Angela keeps quote unquote sending campers home, which is her like killing them and disposing of the body somewhere. Um, and then of course it ends in a huge climax in which very Jason Voorhees like they are in Angela's uh, cabin, abandoned cabin, a little ways off where all the bodies are and all her weapons are. Um, and she has to fight to get her way out. And then in very final girl fashion, she feels at the end that she has run away from the camp. She's the only survivor until Angela pulls up in a pickup truck and is like, hey, how's it going? And that's when we get credits. And that is Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Camper. Yeah, the way that it's like freezes on Molly's face and then just like slams to credits. Ugh, incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> You're like, oh, okay, we're done. Good to know. Ugh, right. So- and I was, I kind of was like, if they don't end it right here, that's a miss. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So fun facts. I don't know how fun these are going to be, but we will give it a whirl. Um, okay. Okay. So, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, was released in 1988, which was five years after the original film was released. So, you got a good chunk mm-hmm. of time there. Um, it is rated R, but it, like I said earlier, it is now considered more of a horror comedy, whereas the first one is kind of just, like, considered a horror film, I guess, even though it's gotten, like, cult classic status at this point. Um, it was directed mm-hmm. by Michael A. Simpson, <clears throat> who also will go on to direct Sleepaway Camp 3. And it was written by Fritz Gordon, who will also write Sleepaway Camp 3. So they worked together on both films um, because both films were shot back to back at the same time. So that mm. it was like super quick turnaround. Um, and if you look on IMDb, Fritz Gordon, the writer of these two films, it seems like he didn't really have much of a career because it's the only two credits on his page, but that's because it's actually a pseudonym for actor and writer Michael Hitchcock, who I didn't know the name, but when I looked him up, I was like, oh, that fucking guy. He was in a lot of Christopher Guest films. He was on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's he's just like one of those people who like you don't know their name, but you see their face and you're like, oh, that fucking guy. Yeah, I know him. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he's just, you know. He kind of reminds me of the guy, oh God, what's his name? The guy who plays, um, the guy in Office Space with the stapler. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Greg's going to kill me that I can't think of his name. Um, but that's who he kind of gives me the same vibe as. Um, so yeah, like you had said, written and directed by two middle-aged white men. Um, I actually don't know how old they were at the time, but they're older now. Um, mm-hmm. and like you said, Felissa Rose, who played Angela and has become this like horror icon she's in like probably 300 fucking movies at this point she did not come back to play Angela um but she did audition for it which I think is funny because usually if you play the role you don't have to audition to reprise your role 
Yeah, what? That's so weird. (laughs) It is, but at the same time, because the two characters of Angela are so different, because in the first sleepaway camp, Angela is like, she barely speaks. She has like almost no lines. She's very quiet. She's very like to herself, very nervous. And in this one, she's like very witty. She's super, super outgoing. So the personalities are very different. So I guess they wanted to see that she could do that. She could be the white swan and the black swan. Um, But (laughs) in the end... She was already, like, prepping to go to college, so I'm sure in her own, like, personal life, it didn't really work out time-wise. But they also said, the casting director said that um, she just didn't deliver the comedic one-liners the way that they were envisioning them being said. So she just, like, didn't really Mm -hmm. mesh with the character, which is fine, because I think what we get from Pamela Springsteen is fucking gold. I'm so happy we have it. It's just such an interesting thing that, like, like you're saying, like, in any other, like, big franchise or whatever, mm-hmm. like, not that it wouldn't, ha- but, like, the probability of that happening would be slim to none. Especially, if, like, now with fan culture and, like, you know, Twitter and all this shit, like, there would be mm-hmm. outrage immediately if, like, some character from some franchise, they just, like, were like, oh, yeah, they auditioned for the next movie and they didn't get it. Like, people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But also, like, nowadays with Marvel and everything, these people are signing, like, seven-year contracts and shit where it's, like, you say yes to one, you're saying yes to all of them. Um, but just, like, a very interesting thing that I feel like could only really happen in something like this really low-budget 80s B-horror oh, yeah. movie where it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, not even like, oh, we couldn't get the lead from the last one. It's like, oh, no, we had our audition. She's just like, mm, we wanted something else. Like, that's yeah. just so fucking funny to me that it's like, oh. Because my perception was, like, she just didn't come back for whatever reason like she was busy doing other shit at the mm-hmm. time she was like mm, I don't really want to do that the fact that she came in and auditioned they were like not a good fit for the role of Angela that yeah. you created <laughs> I love that I know and it's tough because like if it had been made like a year or two after the original film okay fine she wouldn't have like been the age they wanted but she I mean she was going to college right. like she was everything worked out that she should be able to do it but you know what she did other things and the world is fine with how this turned out um well i will say a fun fact for you if you haven't already guessed pamela springsteen is the younger sister of bruce springsteen wow didn't we talk about another movie where bruce springsteen was almost oh my god maximum overdrive yeah remember they wanted Mm -hmm. bruce springsteen oh my god it it always comes full circle on this show yeah the i guess the acting gene is just prevalent in both of them but Mm. yeah she didn't tell anybody when she was on set that she was his sister probably because everyone would have fucking freaked out and like fangirled but yeah you know very interesting and um similarly the lead actress who plays molly i'm gonna let you guess who she's related to her name is renee estevez emilio Emilio and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, it's her sister. Oh my god, she's bro, their sister. Once again, I know. maximum overdrive. I know. What the hell? Isn't that weird? It yeah. is. I know her because um, I saw her and I was like, I recognize her because she's um, R- Veronica's like ex friend in Heather's. Oh, okay. Like after she goes with the Heathers mm-hmm. and then there's like a scene of them playing crook where she's like kind of realizes that they're bitches and she wants to go back to her old friendships. I was like, oh, it's that girl. <laughs> She is a, the sister of Emilio and Charlie. Very strange. Um, but I love that we have these Damn. two female leads who are like, definitely have 
older brothers who are more known in like film and TV, but they're like, you know what? We're going to make this campy fucking horror movie and we're going to be badass bitches. And they are. I love it. Yeah. Um, so let's see. What else? Um, this is a fun fact for you. It's more just a fun fact for myself personally, but um, so when this movie came out, it only had a limited release in theaters probably because the budget was so so low. Um, and then it went to DVD as, you know, films often do, but it was resold again in a Sleepaway Camp survival kit box set, which is all three films, um, which is now mm. currently out of print. And I have the motherfucking box set, and that's how I watch these movies. Oh so my I goodness, have a you lucky fancy bitch. ass out of print box set that is going for almost $200 on eBay right now. So if she well, ever runs low on those funds. if you ever need pocket money, you can sell it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really cool to have like, you know, special edition, out of print kind of like horror collectibles. So I don't think I will ever get rid of it. But it's so funny because my mom and I, when I was in high school, we had this like tradition, probably like eighth grade through like the early years of high school, where every New Year's Eve, we would go to Hollywood Video down the street from us and we would rent two horror movies and like they would always be like bad horror and we would watch them on New Year's Eve and that's how we'd like ring in the new year and I remember she bought me the box set for Christmas one year and I had never heard of it and I remember at the time being like annoyed I was like what is this I don't know what this is because I was like 16 um and we'd never watched it so it just sat on my bookshelf for years until I like made Celia and Joe watch it with me at the theater at like an overnight party and the rest is history I love that you also told that story for the sleepaway camp episode. Did I? Yes. Well, whoops. Sorry, you're getting the yeah, same story. Yeah, hearing it story. again. You know what? Um, Talk to me in a year when I probably tell it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of special editions, quick tangent, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody saw. You might have seen if you follow us on Twitter. But Shout Factory is releasing... A special edition Blu-ray of, <laughs> you fucking guessed it, motherfuckers, House of Wax 2005. Um, and you know what, bitch, woke the fuck up that morning and pre-ordered it immediately. I will not be getting it till like, June or July, and I don't give a shit. Um, I currently, be in my new apartment, don't even own a Blu-ray player yet, but I was like, gotta get this Blu-ray. <laughs> um, so yeah, guys, um, as I've been out here preaching the good Lord's words, um, doing his work, mm-hmm. um, it's all paid off. And now we're getting this amazing Blu-ray. You're all welcome. Uh, moving on. I can't believe I didn't think that you were going to bring that up. I'm an idiot. I mean, you, you led me right into it. I really did. Um, so, like I said, there's that box set, which I guess you can buy on, like, I think it was, I saw it on Amazon and on eBay that people, like, were selling their copies if you want the, like, cool old school little box set. But if you're, like, more in the fucking, you know, today, 2021, Scream Factory did also release this film and the third film on Blu-ray. So you can get them in higher quality um, through Scream Factory, which I highly recommend. Um, Also, I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice this. But now that I know, I look back and I'm like, oh yeah. Every single character in this film is named after either a member of the Brat Pack or just a quintessential 80s actor. All of them. So you got Molly, Molly Ringwald. You got TC, right. Tom Cruise. You got the two little shitheads who are spying oh on God. women who are Charlie and Emilio. That's so fucked. Yeah. Every <laughs> character is named 
based on someone from the 80s. Wow, (laughs) I love that. It's like so dumb and there's no point to it, but I fucking love it. (sighs) So there's that. Um, It must have been weird for like Molly, the girl that played Molly, to be on screen and talking about like the two little shitheads named Amelia and Charlie. Because like... She she can't how relate. she fucking feels. Like yeah. she's like, she was yeah, like, no acting necessary. Literally. Um, <laughs> okay, my last fun fact for you. This really only will make sense if you've seen the film, but I will describe it a little bit. There's this really bizarre dream sequence near the end of the film where Angela is asleep, and we get this like saw-esque recap of the movie where like they pretty much show you everything that you've just watched in like a weird edited sequence where like there's a blue tint over it there's like they show the clip of her like singing i'm a happy camper but it's like slowed down like 20 percent. so she's like yeah. i'm a happy camper it's so fucking funny and <laughs> and you're like is this a reveal like i know all of this i saw all of this i don't understand what's happening greg and i were so confused by that but the only reason it was done is because when they finished filming the runtime was 78 minutes and they were contractually obligated to make it 80. So they had to do a two-minute oh recap God. in the middle of... Like, they could just, like, add another scene of, like, Angela talking to someone. They were, like, throw together, like, just edit the whole movie into, like, a summary. And we'll put it in there. I mean, it could have easily been something where, like, they had finished... They had wrapped filming and True. didn't realize. And they were like, okay, we don't have time or budget or whatever to, like, go film another scene. Like, we literally have to use what we have. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. And it's so strange because, like, like we talked about, like... There's so much death in this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone gets a death scene, pretty much. Um, That it's like, you wouldn't think that they would have a problem filling 80 minutes. But that just goes to show you, once again, no goddamn movie needs to be over two hours. No horror movie. That's the hill that I will die on. I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's always the movies that I wish were over two hours that are not. And it's always the movies that I'm like, please, God, tell me this is 90 minutes. That it's like, no, it's uh, two and a half hours. I'm partial to some two and a half, three hour films, but I agree for the most part. I, I'm way more likely to sit down and watch a movie if it's 90 minutes or less. Yeah. yeah. Those are my fun facts for you. Well, 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 well. I guess that leads us right into a discussion of this, what year is it? 1988? Mm-hmm. 1988 horror masterpiece. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should start um, kind of with what I brought up before, which is um, with definitely some people that if they're listening, they're going to go watch this movie on our recommendation. It's going to be something that's going to probably pop up for them which is like I said like the the issues with the way that they treat the transgender community the issues with um the way that they treat women um I mean for starters like at the opening like I said like from my recollection the them talking about Angela being transgender pretty much gets brought up right at the beginning and then not really for the rest of it I think mainly because they don't really know it's that Angela um, for most of the film. I think it doesn't get brought up again until, like, later. And I don't think it's TC. I think it's Molly's boyfriend that brings it up. He's like, it's you, like... And there's, like, a moment of him, like, being like, you're him, or whatever. And um, also she says, like... She says something about, like, I went away. I, like, had surgery. Like, I'm fixed now. 
And it was just like, it was a way of like equating the fact that she was transgender with the fact that she was a murderer, which was really weird. And I was like, you weren't fixed because your gender identity was never the problem. Like, so it's just a little iffy. Um, But yeah, those are the only two moments, really, the beginning and the end, where they really, like, discuss her gender identity, I think. But yeah, like you said, because no one knows that she is Angela. We would get into a deeper discussion of, like, there's the whole discussion, I think, that gets brought up with the first film, where it's, like, which I think we talked about, where, like, there's definitely people um, within the transgender community that have kind of reclaimed that film um, in a sense of, like, you know... Whether it was intended, which it probably wasn't, or not, like, they're going to spin it to work for them. In which, talking about, like, because of how Angela was treated and, like, forced into a gender identity that did not fit her. Like, all this stuff. But I think there's a question at the end of, like, okay, so, does Angela actually, um, you know, use, essentially, female pronouns that she feel like she wants to use those pronouns or does she feel like she's not a girl mm. and Angela's actually a boy like it's unclear and of course like that's that true because dive into that because the in the first film she's forced into being a female and the way that yes. in this film she kind of is reclaiming that of like I had surgery and now and like I am Angela so she's like claiming you know I am a woman I am female which in the first film was de- is like the whole reason why she didn't speak is because she did not feel comfortable in the body that she was in. So, yeah, it's very interesting that they went that way. Which, once again, I think you could, I guess, I spin it the same way for this one, where, like, if she's talking about, like, because she went to, like, essentially a psychiatric ward, Mm -hmm. and I think she's talking about shock treatment at some point, and she had um, surgery um, and all this stuff that, like, maybe once again, like, she had no choice in that. Um, and she was told, quote unquote, that she was fixed, which is wrong. Um, and thus, once again, that's what pushes her once again into a murderous rage, not because she is transgender, but because the people around her, um, will not listen to her and how she chooses to identify and her truth and are forcing her into being a gender that she doesn't actually identify with, but they're telling her, no, you have to, you have to, um, like, we don't know. Maybe the aunt character... She does bring up her aunt at one point, but it's, like, in passing. She's like, oh, my mm-hmm. aunt used to say blah, blah, blah. So it's like, maybe the aunt put her in there. You don't know. This is all speculation, but... Yep. So we'll move off of that. But in the beginning, they are just kind of, like... When they're talking about, like, oh, but, like, she wasn't a girl at all. She was a boy. And they're just kind of going between, like, saying he and she, which is just, like, in very much poor taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know... In turn, the girl that's bringing up this story and, you know, as like, ooh, topic of conversation, gets it almost immediately after she does it. Like, that's like a one-two whammy. Um, And then kind of for majority of the film, because as I said, like, that stuff gets brought up, like, kind of like very beginning and then, like, they don't talk about it anymore and then, like, very end. And it's only for, like, honestly a brief second. um, Is the way that it portrays women. I mean, you open up with the female campers like, getting up in their bunks, like, after this opening, and, like, one of them is, like, just completely topless. She just sleeps naked, which uh, literally, of course, like, at first the reaction, at least for me, was, like, a fucking course. Like, of course, because this is a movie made by men in the 80s, oh, this really beautiful, hot camper, of course, with, like, beautiful boobs, has to (laughs) sleep topless, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. End of the day, like, 
I'm not, you know, free the nipple, all that great shit. Like, girl, if you want to sleep topless, sleep topless. But it's like immediately it starts with like, it's just like women fighting women because like the thing about Angela's character that for me I could never quite have as much fun as I wanted to with her is because she has these like strict ideas she's not sex positive she does slut shame as do some of the other girls Mm -hmm. and especially for this main girl you're gonna have to remind me of her name that's like the mean girl quote unquote Allie um Allie um I honestly found a lot of sympathy with her because like for most of the movie She's not doing anything overtly wrong. Like, she is a little snappy with some of the other campers. Like, when she wakes up and, like, one girl's obviously like, oh, my God, this girl has no top on for some reason. And she's like, oh, like, why are you, like, looking at my boobs? Like, blah, 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 Like, she's very aggressive. But there's also a lot of scenes where, like, which is interesting to me, where she seems like friends with Molly. Like, they're all goofing around in the cabin. But then there's, like, a whole storyline that, like, doesn't almost feel like it should be part of her character where like Molly has this boy that she likes and he likes her and they kind of start dating um and then this other girl Allie is like she also likes him which at first I was like okay but then like there's scenes in between where they're like kikiing like having a fun moment like all the girlies in the cabin like and then it's like there's this one scene in particular in which Molly addresses Allie. They're, like, outside. Like, her boyfriend has just walked away. And she's like, oh, like, how are you? And it's just very aggressive. And Allie is like, why do you care how I am? Like, let's not pretend that we like each other or that we're friends or blah, blah, blah. And it's just this idea that, like, it was very much perpetuated. And honestly, it happens in real life, I think, because of the societal norms that are put on women. Where we feel like we have to compete with each other. Where it's like, oh, we both like the same guy. Like, or you got the guy that I want. Like, all this shit where it's like, we have to be enemies. We have to be at war with each other. Everything's a competition. Um, and then they also kind of, like, spin it a little bit. Which, like, gave out... Sorry, I'm talking so much. But I just, this is my last thought. Um, is that... They, there's a scene, I feel like, after that where, like, Allie's kind of looking in the mirror. Or, like, no, she goes and, like, has sex with this random camp, uh, camper in the woods. And then clearly it kind of, like, means nothing to her. And, like, she can't, seems almost, like, upset about it. Where then there's, like, a moment of, like, oh, like, kind of, like, the narrative of, like, oh, the slut is empty inside. She just is, like, hollow from all the sex she has. And, like, you know, she's just so insecure. Which could be the case. Like, trust me, like, women have insecurities, especially when it comes to, like, sex and shit. But because the male-run society makes us feel like we should. So I think it's, one again, that idea that, like, oh, she sleeps around a lot. So she kind of, like, has low self-worth and, like, really does feel bad about herself. Where it's, like, Why? Why can't she just, like, have a lot of sex and still be really fun and have female friends and they all like her? It's like, no, the slut, as always, has to be the mean girl, has to be out to get your boyfriend, has to, you know, behind closed doors, hate herself and have no self-worth. And I was just like, mm, tired. It's tired. Yeah, I mean, I kind of view Allie's character as a whole as, like, kind of a caricature of that mean girl slutty stereotype because she really doesn't have many qualities other than being a catty bitch or being like man like man obsessed like her entire every motivation in the film is to get the attention of a man or to have sex with a man like the scene there's a really nice scene of molly and sean like at the pool lying down like having a nice cute conversation like flirting and Allie can't stand that she's not the one that has the male attention and she goes into the pool in her fucking 
white t-shirt with no bra on and just like pulls up on their side of the pool and just like shows her tits to them and is like defeated when he doesn't like seem to give a shit about it but i feel like everything that she Mm -hmm. does in the film is either to get the attention of a man and then when she does get it she doesn't seem to really like you said feel much about it at the end of it she's kind of like okay did that moving on or she's being mean to the the shit sisters she's being mean to molly she's you know she hates angela i feel like the only moment in the movie where i actually feel like Allie is more well-rounded is like when Angela makes her go on stage to sing the song because she's like oh my god I don't want to do that and then she goes up and she's like smiling and having a lot of fun and I'm like there there's a person there's a person with emotions who's well-rounded who's like having a good time and not just being a bitch or like you know showing her tits off to all the boys it's just very one note for me and I feel like it's not really a surprise I feel like Judy was kind of a similar character in that except she just didn't like physically show anything off but she was the same way you know she acted the same way with the women she acted the same way around all the guys it's just your, your classic you know mean girl trope it's fine it's like I think it all comes back to the way that like in so much media even still sometimes like men whether it's overtly or not mm-hmm. they use sex as a way, as almost like a weapon against women. To make Always. women feel less about themselves. Like, that's where your worth lies. Even mm-hmm. if you do the reverse of, like, there's a scene where Angela talks, like, is talking to Molly. And, like, kind of, like, shitting on Allie. Like, calling, like, saying that, like, oh, she probably has a lot of diseases and shit like mm-hmm. that. And then she says, um, I'm still a virgin and I'm proud to be one. Which, like, okay, great, queen. Good for you. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But then... It's coming from the mouth of the girl that we know is, like, unhinged, killing people. So, of course, it's, like, oh, like, it's this weird, which I don't think we see a lot, is, like, oh, the villain is, like, the, you know, almost, like, quote-unquote, sacrificial virgin character. Um, Yeah, who and would be the final like, girl. Right, and it's, like, bonding with Molly over that, mm-hmm. almost. But I think it comes back to, yeah, I mean, you can be sex positive, without having to tear other characters or other girls down which i think in general is something that we as a society should feel and know but yeah i think i just struggled with Allie's character a lot because i think there's also a desire because we're watching this now in 2021 um where we have had a lot more especially in horror like progressive female roles and Mm -hmm. love that i want i want them to keep coming where there's a desire of like oh and I won't say this fully because I'm going to save this for our Q and Slay at the end. Um, but there's a desire where it's like, why does it have to be one or the other? Like, why can't she just be like, yeah, she sleeps in the nude. You know, she wakes up in the morning, titties out. And like, because there, there are scenes and they're spurs throughout. Like, it's not like it's just one scene and then the rest of the movie she's like, oh, she's actually a nasty bitch. It's like these scenes with all the girlies in the cabin being like, we're going to do a reverse panty raid on the boys. Tee hee 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 hee. Them getting ready in the morning. Like, I remember like when they get ready in the morning, it seemed like everyone was friends and they just all fucking hated Angela as a counselor. And then they get to the mess hall and they're like, like you said, like be, like she's like talking shit about the shit sisters who are always high. And I was like, why do you have beef with them? Like, I feel like they would be really fun because they're just like in their mm-hmm. own fucking world. Like, they're not bothering anybody. They they don't give a fuck. Um, 
it just like felt forced where it's like well she has to be the mean girl but then weirdly enough they're like giving her these scenes where it's like but you see how she's can be like a normal fun girl to be around and also just be like sex positive and like secure in her sexuality and her body and it's like no you can't have both she has to be uh out to get everybody else's man and if she can't have them she fucking hates you and she'll tell you to your face and it's like it's boring it's to be expected it's like at a certain degree it's like am I shocked that it's in this you know 1988 b-horror slasher movie no and I'm sure maybe to some people it plays um parody-esque which I could see to a certain degree but also i I'm very rarely ever going to give the benefit of the doubt to uh, white male filmmakers of the 80s um, when it comes to this kind of subject matter that I don't think that they were really like, oh, we're going to, we're really saying this by doing this. I feel like they were just overtly being like, that's how it is. That's how girls are. They were like, this is a 1980s camp slasher film. There are two tropes. You have the slut and you have the virgin. We're going to make each character they're going to be foils for each other they're going to be enemies they're going to be fighting over the man and you know one of them's going to come out on top and that's i feel like the basis of their characters are like we're going to have two women fighting over this dude one's going to be good one's going to be bad it's very black and white it's very predictable it's been done give me a fucking sydney prescott let her fuck Mm -hmm. let her do her thing let her be a queen you know it we have come a long way since then yeah for sure. And there are also other like, 80s slasher films that have, you know, final girls who are not necessarily, like, the sweet innocent virgin. But right. it is just, like, an overused trope that's used here. But I think the fact that Angela is also kind of fits that mold of the final girl makes her such an interesting villain. Because you don't really ever see that. I feel like the closest you get to that is, like, fucking Pamela Voorhees and that's a completely different motivation everything about that is different um so i mean i guess in that way it was forward thinking but everything else is just yeah very by the book paint by numbers kind of women in horror well it reminds me and you brought up like the brat pack stuff but like Mm -hmm. from the breakfast club like that moment with molly ringwald in which like Judd Nelson, I think, is asking her, like, if she's ever had sex. And, of course, she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to answer. And then, um, forgive me, I cannot remember the actress's name. I usually know it. Um, But who plays the basket case? Um, Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy. That's what it is. I almost almost said Molly Sheedy, but I was like, it's not fucking Molly. No, it's Ali, Um, baby. Ali Sheedy. And she's like, oh, it's like a trap. From what I'm remembering, it's been a hot minute since I've seen The Breakfast Club, but I have seen it many a time. Um, In which essentially she's like, you know, it's a trap because if you have had sex, then you're like a slut. And if Mm -hmm. you haven't, then you're a tease. Um, In which kind of this movie does that where it's like, yeah, like the one girl that's overtly like, yeah, I'm having sex. Or like even the shit sisters are having sex. It's like they, first of all, pay for it in death. Um, And they're kind of played to be like stupid and all they care about is like getting fucked and blah, blah, blah. Which like, end of the day, queens, if all you care about is getting fucked, live your life. Like, good for you. That doesn't make you a bad person. (laughs) No. It doesn't make you not fun. Like, do what you want to do, girl. It makes you more fun literally um you're looking out for you queen and i respect that um or it's the inverse of you're like a virgin which like in horror like is weirdly celebrated 
Not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with either, but like it is weird. This where it's like, but if you're like this virgin pure, you'll live till the end. But then in this movie also, it's like, but also the virgin pure, like there's something wrong with her because she's so averse to sex and anything like it that like if she even sniffs out that you're having it, you better run for the hills because she's gonna fuck you up. Um, so yeah, it's like this balance of like I guess women can't win, like literally yeah. things <laughs> to do. Um, it's just like. Because even then, it's like the virgin always in these movies, as the final girl, gets put the fuck through it. Because it's mm-hmm. like, you are now going to have to, you don't, it's not like, oh, the, the killer's not going to pay attention to you. It's just like, no, the killer will still come after you. You'll just survive it. You still have to go through all the trauma of like, watching all your friends get killed, finding all these dead bodies, running for your fucking life, coming close to death. And in this one, debatably, does she even make it out? Because like... Angela Pult whips up at the end and she's like, hey girl. And then we cut to black. So it's, you know, anybody's it's up in the air. But yeah, it's like, it's a movie where it feels like <laughs> the girlies cannot win. The girlies are just like pitted against each other from the start. Even when they give you moments of like, no, they're all friends. They rip that away from you next scene by being like, I hate that bitch. Yep. I'm going to fuck her boyfriend. It's like, okay. Um, interesting. But yeah, I mean. That was the the 50% of me watching this movie that I was saying before that was like, mm, I don't love that. And I think I was yeah. going to bring up um, Judy from the first film. Mm-hmm. Because what feels slightly different about that is, one, Judy is definitely supposed to play a much younger camper than I think these other girls. Yeah. Um, so it feels like kind of like that age when like you're coming into yourself, like your sexuality, your, your, all your hormones, where like, and once again, there is an issue with this and it comes from the society we live in and the media that we consume and what it tells us that like when you get to that age when like, okay, now you're getting attention usually from boys, um, that it is a competition. It is you against all the other girls because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the biggest prize you could win is male attention, which is such fucking horseshit. Because first of all, not all talk women to want a man, male attention. It's impossible. <laughs> even if you like men, you don't even want male attention. I'm fucking telling you. Like, it's just yeah. a fucking hassle. It is, it's a curse. It's a plague. Um, I cannot begin. But yeah, so like, there. but there's more of like a realistic, like, she doesn't know yet how to like... Uh, battle that or whatever like so of course she's gonna lash out and be the mean girl where like these girls are like older they all seem to be pretty much other than maybe molly like regularly sexually active and they all seem fine with each other so it's like why are we still doing the catty shit Mm -hmm. like you seem at the very least like you're probably like high schoolers or like girls that are like maybe this is your last year at summer camp um Mm -hmm. like they're fucking full grown like they should be counselors well, at one point, I was reading something where, like, it describes Molly as a counselor. And I was like, when the fuck was Molly That's... a counselor? No. Like, they don't show any of these girls being counselors other than Angela because she's the one running the cabin. There's Angela and then there's one other girl that we see, like, once or twice who is also a counselor. Yes. But that's And then it. there's TC. He's the boy yeah, who, who looks like he's 45. Right. And it's like, sure, fine, if he's, like, not a camper. Yeah, but, but like, he's also hitting on Angela. I don't think he's... <laughs> 45 i think he's supposed to be like 20 and i'm like Ugh, lol um i literally never have seen a 20 year old look like that and if i did i'd run away because <laughs> i'd be afraid i'd be like what are you on that you look like that um but yeah but the judy thing is just like also like 
Ju- they also, she's like one of those things where it's like, it's not a great trope as we're talking about, but at least with Judy, like from fucking second one of introducing Judy, that's who she is. They don't even mm-hmm. try to give her any semblance of another character and they lean into it full force. We're also, because this movie is played like a horror comedy where like that movie was like in, in an attempt to, I feel like, to be serious, which is why it's become a cult classic because it's like, LOL, what the fuck were you guys thinking? Right. That you can almost enjoy it in that sense. But Judy is just like a, a bitch. She's a cunt. Judy, she's, she's nasty. Like, Judy knows who she is. She wears a fucking Judy t-shirt. She's like, I am that bitch. I don't give a shit. She's an Aries in my mind. And Allie... Love that. I love that. <laughs> um, not me being an Aries over here. <sighs> it's fine. Um... Yeah, Judy just, like, knows what she wants. She doesn't fucking give a shit what anybody else thinks of her. And I feel like Allie does care what other people think of her. Because you have those moments of, like, when Sean isn't interested of her being, like, clearly, like, irritated and maybe, you know, disappointed and sad about it. Whereas I think Judy's just kind of like, um, I'm the fucking shit. And if you're not on board with it, I'm going to be mean to you. But that's about it. She almost has, like, an evil queen energy where Mm. it's, like, she's just pure evil. And there's something about that that's easier to respect than, like, these men's, like, a man writing a story in an attempt to be, like, oh, but, like, the the hateable slut actually, like, has a soul. And, like, she just feels empty inside from all this casual sex she's having. And I'm, like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, honestly, if you're going to put this goddamn overused trope in the movie, just fucking do it full force. You know, she's a bad bitch. She's getting fucked on the daily. And she's living a good life. And she's going to tear down everyone, man and woman, in her way. And that's what the fuck Judy was about. Like, yeah. Judy wasn't specifically going after girls. She was going after Angela because she felt Angela was weird, um, yeah. which isn't right. But And I think also of part time, of that was Judy was because... going after the boys. Yeah, but I think also, I think a lot of her issue with Angela, in addition to the fact that, like, she was a weirdo, was because she is the cousin of the boy that she wants to, like, you know, that she dated, quote unquote, and wants, like, Ricky, who was, like, trying to, like, get her back. And she's like, go away from me. So anyone associated with Ricky is, like, no good. So she doesn't like Angela. I feel like Judy's hatred of her is a lot more layered and then this is just kind of like, she won't let me have my tits out. Ugh. Right. It's just like, I think that's, but yeah, it, because I think that's also why, like I was saying, like, Judy's beef and most of, like, her lines that are, other than when she's overtly bullying Angela, are her, like, coming for Ricky's neck. Making fun of, like, these other boys. Because, like, and that's the thing about her. Is, like, she, there's, like, scenes where she's sitting and, like, all these boys are, like, around her. And she's like, yeah. Like, she yeah. couldn't give a fuck. And, yes, then in turn it becomes, like, oh, when she sees one boy that isn't giving her attention, she must have him. And that's a whole different conversation. And we're not going to talk about sleepaway camp again because we did a whole fucking episode on it. That's so long. But I think with Allie, it is just, like, yeah. Like, she seems to be more at the throats of the other girls. Mm-hmm. Which... We, uh, you know, women are pitted against women so fucking often in film, television, real life, all of it, that I don't fucking need more of it. It is not an idea that we should continue to perpetuate, especially because media shapes our minds so much. Because, And that's why there's an issue with the fact that it's all usually a lot of time made by white men. 
Because whether you realize it or not, like, that gets ingrained. The amount of shit that for so many years, like, I just, like, quote-unquote, like, learned from the TV that I watch. Like, okay, this is how, like, this is supposed to be. This is how dating's supposed to be. This is about how sex is supposed to be or whatever. That then you realize it's like, no, it isn't. Or it shouldn't be that way. And you have to take so long to unlearn it. That, like, once again, on these wild, bigger tangents, like, why we need diverse filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Like point blank period anywho but yeah so yeah that that's how I felt on that all the alley stuff it's just like a hot ass mess it's like I don't know if there was an attempt it feels slightly like there was to make her more well-rounded but it kind of just added to my like distaste for how she was being displayed because it's of course as I said like if you have sex deep down you you like you're empty inside right and it's like love that for us love that um but yes, I would love to move on and discuss another female character. Um, I would love to know what you think about the new personality and characterization of Angela. Do you like that she's kind of like a comedic one-liner? Do you think that she's fun? Do you wish that she was more like the Angela in the original? I just want to know your thoughts on her character in general. Um, I I had fun with her. I think it's one of the things where it's like, I don't know how they would have done it again with her just being, like, quiet, especially her as a camp counselor. Mm. So I think, like, fully leaning into, like, when she's like, oh, like, I used to not talk at all, and now I won't shut up. Yeah. Like, is funny. Um, And I think a delivery, especially with her kills, is really fun because, like, she I was made me think of, um, what's her name Annie from Misery in which like she is Miss Goody Two-Shoe she's very sweet but the difference being that like when Annie goes off the rails she'll start yelling and what the cockadoodie like you know freaking the fuck out whereas (sighs) Angela truly never really loses her cool in the movie when she even when she's doing these kills and she's like you've done the worst thing like even then she's like I'm gonna tell camp master whoever like you did this um, like that's the level that you get to. And when she's delivering these kills, she's just like, Yeah, and uh now I'm gonna burn you alive. This will teach you a lesson. And it's yeah, just, I don't like, think so... her heart rate like goes above eighty like ever. No. Like she is so ch- I mean, even at the end, like when she mm-hmm. rolls up on Molly, she rolls up, she's like, Hey girl, like yeah, chill she's as so, hell. I love it. She's just like I think that without her performance, it would lose like eighty percent of the camp of this film. Um, it's just so ridiculous and silly. There's a scene, a gag that I think is like probably my favorite part of the movie where, um, one of the characters, Demi, can you guess who that's named after? Um, she's come back to the camp, the, uh, the cabin and she says like, Angela, I've done some like research. I called like their parents and no one has, that you sent home has like made it home. Like I'm really concerned. And so Angela at this point is like, well, fuck, I'm, I've been caught. Like I need to kill this girl. And there's this really long scene of her just like walking around the cabin, picking up like random items, like testing them, to see if she can kill them, her with it. And I think it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And just like the way that she physically like does everything. I don't, I think without, her as an actress and that characterization I don't think this movie would be anything really to talk about I feel like she really makes it it's just like I could watch Angela 
kill anybody with like a stick anytime it's in and the force in which that she kills people is like she's flicking them she's barely touching them and they're like oh and die i know it's so bad but it's so good it's that perfect line for me of like this is not good this is incredible do you know what i mean yes um well, I think, honestly, her performance is what saves a lot of the movie for me. Yeah. Is be- because her performance, in turn, with the delivery of lines and the ridiculous kills, are what makes this really fun. And you also know that I'm partial to summer camp horror, so I'm, oh, I'm yes, much you more are. forgiving, where I'm just like, is there a lot of flaws with this? Oh, fuck yeah, baby. But, like, if someone wanted to watch this, would I put it on with no complaints? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's a good so, movie where, like, you don't really need to have seen the original film. Like, it helps, obviously, Not for context. All. But because they have that opening sequence of, like, this is what the first film was, you can go into this and have, like, a really fucking great time and not have to see the first one. And truly, they waste no time. Like, we were talking about the runtime. Like, literally after they have that yeah. opening fire and the girl is like, oh, tell the story. And you're like, so let's say, in theory, you've probably watched the first one. So you know, okay, that's Angela she's talking about. She comes behind the trees to meet the counselor and literally just calls her Angela. So immediately you're like, oh, that would be Angela. And then she kills right. her. And you're like, oh, so they're not even going to try to trick the audience. They don't give a fuck about doing that. Like they did in the first one where it's like, who yeah. could it be? They're like, no, it's Angela. And we're just going to give you as many fucking kills as possible. And honestly, that's what I want in a sequel. Yeah. Rev it up. And something that I've noticed that I really appreciate about slashers, especially slashers that take place in a very specific setting, a la, like we just talked about for our season one finale, uh, Sorority Babes and Slime Bubble Rama, which isn't really a slasher, but... Um, is like using the environment to your advantage when it comes to the kills. Like, it, we're not doing Michael Myers. We're not doing like, okay, like, it's just a neighborhood, so like, give him a big knife. And even then, like, he doesn't kill everyone with a knife. But, like, that's his signature, you know, bit. Or like, you know, Jason Voorhees, even, like, honestly, it's so interesting to me when you think about it, because like, Jason Voorhees too, like, he doesn't just kill everybody with a machete. He's very versatile in all of his kills. He likes to slam people against trees. With a, in it. a sleeping bag, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. But that's something I really like is just like, and they did it in Sleepaway Camp, the original, is like using the environment and having yeah. kills set within that. Whether it's like, okay, so we're going to kill the cook in the mess hall with a boiling pot of water and like the girl in the cabin with the curling iron she brought from home or like, you know, using a bee's nest at camp and like putting it in like the outhouse or whatever, like or the canoe, like all of it. And in this one as well, there's like a lot of that because there's like, okay, yeah, bludgeoning somebody with like a log in the woods or fucking drowning somebody in the fucking outhouse, like making them get into the toilet. Yeah, um, that's Like all this stuff. Um, and there's also like that great sequence, um, which we have to bring up, which. It's once again where it's like they're just trying to do so much referentially with this movie because obviously you're referencing the first one by making it a sequel. Mm-hmm. The stuff I didn't realize with the for some reason like all the characters are 80s actors names. Um, okay. And then there's the whole sequence where like everyone I guess at the camp both boy campers and girl campers don't like Angela. So they're going to have a camp out which Angela will be supervising in theory and the boys are like we're going to scare her. So two of them dress up. One is Freddy Krueger and one as Jason Voorhees and they try to sneak up on her and then this girl they're so funny. She like rises up out of the darkness and she's dressed 
at first what appears like Michael Myers because she's in a full jumpsuit and it looks like a Michael Myers mask but then when you get closer to her it's like a leather face skin mask and she also has a chainsaw so she's doing a two-in-one um well I she, I kind of I mean I don't I could be wrong but I took that as because she kills the Freddy boy first yeah and then I took that as like did she skin his face is she wearing his face right now because that is dedication if she is I mean, maybe. I feel like the kills of the two boys came so quick. But where would she get a, skin, a face mask? I don't know. I mean, she could do that. But regardless, <laughs> I just know when she first appears in that scene, I was like, oh my God, she's wearing a Michael Myers mask. Like, oh, that's, that's interesting. What it I, didn't, I didn't see that. Because then when they showed her close up later and I was like, oh, it's like a leather face skin mask. I was like, did I just see it wrong? Or is she doing costume changes? Maybe. Like, <laughs> the girl is dedicated. She got a fucking wig reveal next. But it's just this, like, weird meta moment within the film where it's, like, oh, it's yeah. not even characters that, like, have been brought up in here. And it's, like, it'd be one thing if it was, like, just Jason Voorhees because it's, like, okay, like, iconic summer camp killer. But, like, also doing <laughs> Freddy, possibly Michael Myers, possibly Leatherface is, like, why? I, just for because, the, the hell of it? I mean, all the fucking characters are 80s actors they're gonna reference apparently every piece of 80s media that they can they want to fucking soak it up so you know what it's fun everyone goes oh i know who that character is that's silly and the i will say that the makeup for the freddy krueger was fucking brutal i don't know what he did to his face to make him look like he had scars but it was not cute i would not have been like fucking deli meat on his face yeah it was it was Um, really rough yeah, so to go all the way bra- back to um, Angela, I really do think mm-hmm. her performance is, it's, while Felissa Rose, I adore her, and her performance as Angela in the first one, iconic, mm-hmm. um, this is iconic in its own way, where yeah. like, based on shit that I've seen Felissa Rose do past Sleepaway Camp years later, I feel like she could easily do a role like this, it just seems like maybe at the time she wasn't quite there yet with her her acting career and thus couldn't handle like a crazy zany role like this so you know I'm happy that we got it um you know would love to see if they ever decided to for some reason remake specifically Sleepaway Camp 2 to see Felissa Rose as Angela again I know that she plays Angela in some of the later Sleepaway Camp movies um but that would be interesting but yeah I think that uh Pamela Springsteen brings something special to the role and I know that you said that she seems like someone you'd want to be friends with and there definitely were points where I felt that like specifically like there's a scene when she's talking to Molly um and aside from her comments about like oh Allie probably has diseases she is like very sweet she has no and it's not like the second Molly brings up like oh I like this guy you know and I'm an experience that she's like sex I'll kill you she like is understanding she genuinely tries to make her feel better and okay about like being an experience and like being like no he likes you blah blah like very much like oh my god good like female friend but I think the issue is that like a lot of the times when she's not being a crazy killer which is honestly when I prefer her because like that's when she's just like being crazy and zany when she is seeming like this down-to-earth sweet girl it's all laced with the comments of like slut shaming Mm. shit like this where i'm like Mm -hmm. queen i know at the time i'm sure that was we were supposed to be like she's the good girl we really like her like and we hate she got her morals straight yeah we're like now watching it you're like "Mm." seems like like, Allie's having more fun i'm gonna be honest angela is a fucking prude but she's 
kind. I think, you know, obviously she's crazy. Um, she is a serial killer. She has, you know, very problematic views of sexuality. She's very prudish. She very close-minded in a lot of ways. But I think she has a, I think her intentions are good. I think that she thinks what she's doing is for the best of people. Like, I think she, mm. I think, I don't think that she thinks she's like a mean person. I think she thinks she's kind and sweet and, you know, she's just doing what has to be done to like clean up the world. Um, so obviously I don't actually want to be friends with her, but I do find her very charming. I find her to be somebody that grabs my attention and I would hang out with but also be very very cautious around I was gonna say she's like you're talking about like oh she's like a prude but she's nice that's I feel like something that like once again I think is a real world thing and it always comes back to just the way that women are programmed to think by the male-run society where like when you get to like oh she's nice or like but then behind closed doors is she really nice because like she's just talking shit on these other girls because they have sex. Like, literally, like, backhandedly just being like, yeah, I bet Allie, like, has all these diseases. That's not, quote-unquote, nice girl behavior. But it's, we're programmed to think, like, well, she's still a nice girl. Because she's just, like, she's telling it how it really is. And that Allie is a slut. So, like, we can say mean shit about her. And it's not and not us being mean. Where it's like, mm-hmm. no, it is. Like, women tearing down women. That ain't it, baby. That ain't it. You just got to let everyone do what the fuck they want to do. And it's none of your business at the end of the day. What anybody else does, if it is not directly affecting you, move on. It does not matter. I mean, I mean, other than the one scene, not to bring it always back to this shit, but it's like a huge part of the fucking movie, is like with, with Allie being like, don't throw me in the pool so-and-so, like wanting them to throw her in the pool so she can mm-hmm. come out on the other side, like with a wet t-shirt and her titties showing, mm-hmm. um, which they look amazing. Let's not forget um like other than that like she doesn't really do from my recollection a whole lot to try to like steal molly's boyfriend i think in general like in real life and movies like if any character is like actively trying to break up a relationship like that's mean like that's you like doing something that's not right it's one thing if like someone in a relationship approaches you that's on them for not being faithful. But, like, you actively campaigning to, like, get someone to pick you or, like, all this shit is, like, girl, get a grip. Um, But they don't really do a lot of that. But I think even still they have to throw in those scenes because it's like, well, well, she has to want to break them up. And it's like, why? She can, can literally have anyone else at the camp. Like, Yeah, it's really inconsequential like in the end. It. Like, nothing ever comes of it. It's not like... Sean and Molly, their fates are, like, linked to her fate in any way. It doesn't matter. It's just, like, more, like, filler, honestly. And just, like, more fuel for the fire of, like, look, Allie is a one-dimensional, slutty, selfish, mean girl. That's all it really is used for. No, 100%. And I know we already brought this up, but something else Mm -hmm. I had to touch upon is just the fact that, like, yeah, these... It's so confusing. Like, it is and it isn't. Like, who the fuck is a camper and who's a counselor? Because other than, like, you know, Emilio and Charlie or whatever um, that are very clearly, like, kids, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, of course they're campers. It's like all these other girls and guys seemingly are, like, full-grown adults just like the counselors. Yeah. 
the only differentiating factor is like we just see like okay tc is the cabin counselor for this cabin and angela's the cabin counselor for this cabin so seemingly everyone that isn't the cabin counselor is a camper yes but it's like they're full-grown adults yeah i think i think it's meant to be like oh, Angela and TC and then the other female cabin uh, counselor are probably, like, in their mid-20s, whereas everyone else Mm. is, like, probably, like, 17, 18. But honestly, that also doesn't make sense because if we're going by the logic that this was five or six years from the first film, Angela was, what, like, 13 in that film? So it does, I mean, at the end of the day, that logic does not make sense. Um, But, I mean, the entire cast, for the most part, is supposed to be seen as campers. The one last thing I want to bring Mm -hmm. up just a specific scene I wanted to get your take on it is Ooh. during the um this the camp out um where Allie goes off mm-hmm. to have sex with that guy in the bathroom um to me that scene <laughs> listen end of the day girl wants to have sex she can have sex she wants to have sex in the bathroom girl it's probably dirty but go for it um it just felt it the scene plays so rough, but like not rough in like a fun way. Yeah, I, have I just like as it kept going on, I was like, Jesus God! Like he's like they keep showing them from like the legs down as they're like, of course, like trying to like hurriedly like push off their pants, which like whatever, fine. Like you're so crazy for each other, you have to have it. But like he's like at one point, like she's like he's like dragging her limp body. It looks like, and he's like smashing her up against the toilet, and I'm like, y'all. No one is here. Just, like, <laughs> just take a breath for a second. Like, how are y'all not, like, busting your fucking backs doing this shit? Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I made a comment to Greg when we were watching that scene because it was so much, and it goes on for such a long time, of, like, yeah. this guy being so fucking clumsy and inexperienced and being like, what the fuck is he doing? I th- read a trivia fact that I think was about this scene, so don't hold me to it, but I believe that either... The male actor or the female actor playing Allie were underage, so they couldn't do an actual sex scene on camera, which is why they show it from a lower angle. I think it's other actors at that point. Um, so that's why mm. it's shot that way. But I think I personally think it just adds to like the campy silliness of like Allie is supposed to be this like experienced sexual like vixen, and this fucking Jamoke over here, like can't even stand up straight because he's so fucking excited he's gonna like fucking pop his dick in his balls any second and he's it's just like pop his dick in his balls <laughs> that's how sex works Anya um uh, no I just think it's like at that point I would be like get the fuck off me you're hurting me I don't know what you're doing are you 12 like why do you not know how to like move your physical body I don't know what's happening it's just like so much it's just like I don't think that sex all the time has to be, like, this beautiful, like... Choreographed thing. Like, it's not going to always be choreographed. And, you know, as I said, some people, they like it rough. And that's, you know, to each their own. This is just, like... He can't stand. It, 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 right. It, like, the weight of his balls, it, was, like, like, dropping him down because he's so excited. It, I literally was, like, watching it and I was like, okay, interesting choice you know, now that you explain why they probably did it. Yeah. Like, you know, legs down, interesting, interesting. And it's going on for so long. And it literally just, like, as it goes on, it becomes more and more frantic and sloppy. And I'm like, ha-ha, like, 
are you guys okay? And then there's literally this one specific shot where, like, she, like, has her pants, like, around her ankles. And she is, like, literally, like, curved sideways. She's definitely not on her feet anymore. And he's, like, like heaving her upward, like, her body, like, towards the stall. And I'm like, um, <laughs> are you guys good? What the fuck's happening? And I feel like in, unintentionally that just, like, goes back to the fact that Allie is purely used for, like, male pleasure and attention because that does not seem fun for her in what way is that an enjoyable experience for her it's not it's about him moving her around like she's a fucking rag doll so he can get what he wants we love it yay uh, yeah well sex is only about the man <laughs> i think um, unless yeah. you have anything else you want to discuss we can go to my favorite part and what part would that be, Alex? That would be the Q and Slay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rah, rah. It's the Q and Slay. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so excited because I, I have so much to say. That I waited for the Q and Slay. Um, so I'll ask you the first question. Okay. What was your favorite kill in Sleepaway cool. Camp Two on Happy Camper? All right, I have two, so I will... You can say both of them because there's plenty to go around. Okay, okay, so my two favorite ones are TC, his death near the okay. end, because it is set up in such a subtle way that fucking kills me because there's a scene where TC is on stage at, like, in the cafeteria and he's saying, hey, everyone, like, we've had a lot of theft, like, and he's naming all the things that got stolen, like, panties and jock straps, and then he makes a joke, like, my car battery, and everyone's like, <laughs> someone stole his car battery, and that's the only thing you hear mm-hmm. about until that final, like, third act where TC is about to stumble upon the cabin with all the bodies, and Angela is getting ready, and she has something in the sink that you then realize is his fucking car battery, she pours the acid into a cup, and then when he shows up, she throws it in his fucking face, which is brutal. Jesus acid Lord. in the face is so fucking vicious. And to do it from his, like, the fact that it happened to him, and it was his battery, and she was like, I knew that would come in handy. I just think that is, like, fucking genius. It's creative. Yeah. It's funny. It's smart. It ties it back together. I'm all fucking for it. I love that scene. Delicious death. I agree. I agree. And my other one is the Shit Sisters. I think their name is really Shit mm. Sisters, but they call them the Shit Sisters because I think one of the worst ways to die would be being set on fire. Um, and I think the way that they do it, I think they did it again because one of the actresses was too young to, for some reason, to do like the scene. So one of the sisters wakes up and is like tied to this like barbecue type thing and she gets set on fire but I think the part about it that I like so much is that she's sitting across from her sister's skeleton that has been completely incinerated so it adds that like like extra emotional trauma onto the fact of like you are going to be brutally murdered right now in one of the worst ways while also having to cope with the fact that your sister is dead in front of you and has just experienced the same thing layers of trauma Angela you're crazy I love it 
Yes. I mean, it's crazy that she, like, took the time to do them individually instead of just lighting them on fire yeah. both at the same time. She's like, no, I'm going to do one. And then she's like, maybe you'll learn something. I love when it's like, yeah. she's like, you should learn something from this. Queen, she's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so good. Yeah, those are so good. Those were – the cheesy one wasn't on my list, but that's a good one. The, 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 the barbecue death definitely was. Um, yeah, I think I – like, um, I know we brought it up, but, like, the the Freddy Jason kills mm-hmm. are really fun because like she kills Freddy Krueger or fake Freddy Krueger with his own glove mm-hmm. and then she kills Jason while wearing a Michael mask and using a chainsaw or whatever the fuck the mask was actually so all mm-hmm. that's just like very very campy um but I mean Allie's death is just so like what the fuck because, yeah it's a lot. Like, some, she leaves it's a whole thing because she leaves Allie a note pretending to be Molly's boyfriend um, to be like come meet me at the abandoned cabin which we don't learn till the end is like not really abandoned because Angela's using it to like stage her fucking dead bodies and weapons um, mm-hmm. tells Allie to come up Allie comes up and she's like oh like he's not there so then she's like oh like Molly tried to prank me or whatever and then Angela's like no it was me and then like she's of course pissed off at Angela She's like, oh, you fucking bitch, whatever. Tries to walk away. Angela, like, stabs her in the back. So yeah. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a quick stab death, like, and roll her body in a bush. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. Then she, like, makes her get on her feet. She's like, get up. Get up. Brings her over to the, like, decrepit-ass, like, outhouse. Um, <laughs> and she keeps saying shit, like, get in. Get in. Get in. Like, to the toilet. So she uh-huh. literally, like, brings this girl into the outhouse. Shoved her face in the toilet and she's like, what do you smell? What do you see? And she's like, shit. And then like uses it as an analogy for like, you've like shit your life away, blah, blah. And then she's like, what else do you see? What else do you smell? And she's like, piss. And she's like, you've pissed all your work. Like all this shit. Yeah. And then and we can't get any fucking more ridiculous. That's when she's like, get in. Get in. Makes this girl get her full ass body down into the like fucking hole i guess cut for the outhouse so now we can't even see this girl anymore she's like down in the shit and piss too much and then she's also talking about like angela's like oh and there's also like leeches down there yeah because <laughs> i know that angela <laughs> but then the girls of course like she like takes a big stick angela and starts just like poking it down there at her like make to try to drown her and then of course you get like a few shots of like Allie like <gasps> submerging for air and she's just covered in piss and shit and leeches and then just like get back down there and once again heart rate never over 80 just like so casual no. like no sorry punishment's not over get back down into the toilet like <laughs> it's so much she says something she has like a line where she's like um you're a cynical dirty mouth waste of flesh and I was like Ooh. honestly that's my new tinder bio <laughs> me i am a, I, I don't have tinder lol um but i'm a cynical dirty mouth waste of flesh i think that the the most upset i think i find her death to be gross in a way that i don't enjoy although i i respect i respect it um i think what really like takes me out of it is the fucking gurgling sound effect that they use when she's mm. underwater like you could hear it sounds like she's like gargling water but you know it's like fucking shit and piss and it's so disgusting to me of like her drowning in someone else's feces <gasps> no thank you no well i feel like you probably feel similarly to how you felt about the um pig lard death in the saw movies mm. that we talked about in our I just, special i'm not a no, fan i agree i'm not a fan of like bodily functions in terms of death i just 
It's gross. I don't want to see it. This one is less so like me being like, oh, I love it when it's really fucking dirty. And more <laughs> so just like the ridiculous nature of her like telling this girl to get in the toilet mm-hmm. was just so fucking funny to me that I was like, oh, what? Like there was no way that that was like when this girl rolled up and I was like, she's going to die. That that was where it was going to end. Especially because it starts with her getting stabbed in the back. Because you're, yeah. so you're like, okay, stabbing death. And it's like, no, Oh, no, that no, no. wound has poop in it now. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna get infected. Also, I just want to say <laughs> that this outhouse is a mile away from camp, connected to a cabin that everyone thinks is locked up. So I will. I can only imagine that the only people that use this outhouse are people who have like some serious fucking digester problems that are like, I don't want to be anywhere near the other campers. Oh, so oh, stop. you know, like who's using that outhouse? It's a mile into the woods. Only if you need privacy. If it's a bad oh, time. You're so right. That's the diarrhea outhouse for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How the leeches got in it, God only knows. Um, How Angela knew they were in there, I don't want to know. <laughs> um, honestly, she probably fucking threw them in there, being like, probably. I'm going to kill somebody with this later. But aside from that death, then, like, you know, there's a bunch of other ones, and, like, they're kind of, like, small one-off moments. Like, she ends up decapitating Molly's boyfriend, and then, like, Molly, like, is passed out, and she wakes up, and she's like, hey, look who's on TV! And she put her <laughs> decapitated boyfriend's head, like, in a smashed television set. Yeah. I think is really funny. And then... Um, there's another one where she gets a girl in the car and she's like, um, well, I'll, I'll save this one, um, because it's one of my favorite lines, but there's, there's another scene, a death scene that's also really good. Well, that works because I have so many favorite lines that I want you to go first just in case you take any of them. So I don't have to fucking say four lines that I like. So segue, what's your favorite line? Favorite line. Okay, so to segue directly to what I was just talking about, there's a scene yes. where there's another girl, and, like, we've kind of gone on the shtick now where it's like, oh, I'm going to send this camper home, and it's her going to go kill them. So this girl, I don't remember the entire context, but she's upset about something, so she, she has her in a car. Her. Oh, yeah. She, like, oh, because there was a panty raid scene. Yes. Which is, like, this fun, like, ah! The boys, Angela catches them. They're all in trouble. Then the girl's like, we're going to do a reverse panty raid. Fuck Angela. We'll do it while she's asleep. Go to the boys' cabin. Then there'll be a kind of moment of, like, the juxtaposition between TC and Angela because TC mm. comes out when the girls are doing the jockstrap raid on the boys. And he literally is like, guys, ugh, whatever. Just, like, tell me when it's over. And, like, goes back to his room. Um, and then Angela shows up just as one of the one girls is like, if you don't give us back the bras you stole, you're going to be seeing a lot of this. And, like, lifts up her shirt and it's just like – Free titties, girl. Um, cut to, they're in the car. I don't know why they have to be in a car for this. But she's <laughs> like, you know, I'm going, I want to go home, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't have to go home. I honestly think you made an honest mistake. You did it because you thought that would make you cool. And like, and the girl's like, fuck you. Like, no, I didn't. Like, <laughs> stop trying to analyze me. I want to go home. So then like, she's like, Angela stops the car. And she turns one, once again calm as a cucumber turns around in the back seat and the girl is like what are you looking for a gun and the angel goes no a drill and like turns back around has a fucking power <laughs> drill and just like like into this girl's skull and i was just like wow once again the delivery of her just like so nonchalant that the girl like half like sarcastic being like oh you're gonna look for a gun you're gonna fucking kill me because i want to leave <laughs> camp and her being like no a drill so good yeah. um like Angela just doesn't see anything wrong with what she's doing. She's just like, yeah. It, it, she right. does the same delivery of like, I'm looking for a drill, as she would be like, would you like more jello? Like, she just doesn't 
she it doesn't because connect she for her. Almost feels like she has like a higher purpose. Like she is yeah, cleansing the world because she thinks she's following her moral code and she's making she's she's ridding the world of bad people. That's what she thinks. She thinks she yeah. has good intentions and she don't. Um, she absolutely does not. But then there's like a scene when she talks about um, she's talking with Molly and it's after she got fired. And she's really mm-hmm. upset about it. And so, like, Molly and her boyfriend go to comfort her. Um, and she says, like, oh, there used to be this boy that I like. This whole thing. Um, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, but I fixed him. And Molly's like, how? And she's like, I drowned him. And then, like, there's this moment of, like, Molly processing it. But, like, she doesn't say anything. Because, like, then they're, like, she starts talking about something else. Or, like, her boyfriend mm-hmm. fucking says something. And it's just like, this girl straight up just said she drowned a kid. And no one's going to say anything about it. Um... I already said one of my other favorite ones, which was Ain't No Skin Off My Tits in the opening. Yes. But the last one I will say, because there's just so many. Like every I have four as well, so it's fine. Um, is she, after everything happens at the end, Molly escapes her bindings in um, Angela's cabin. She's running, and Angela's running after her, and she's like, wait, Molly, come back. Like, kind of being like, I'm not going to kill you. Like, because, like, you haven't broken any of my moral rules. She's chasing after Molly, just trying to get her to come back. Because, of course, she doesn't want Molly to, ta- to tell anybody. And Molly ends up, like, tripping down, like, a, the side of, like, this, like, hill cliff thing and falling. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Angela looks over the edge. And is like, oh, and it's, like, so upset that Molly has, in theory, like, died. And it's just, like, lying there. And then she says something where she's like, if it's any consolation, you almost made it. What do you think is just so yeah. funny? Like, like, the idea of, like, a slasher being, like, you had a good shot. You really had a good chance. You had a good run, man. Good A for effort. It literally, it, it reminds me, it's very Leslie Vernon-esque, yeah. I feel like. To be I, like, I vibe with you that. almost made it, bro. You almost had it. Mm-hmm. But those are my some of my favorites from the film. Wow. So I will just like to say that clearly this is a film with a very strong script in terms of dialogue because I have four separate <laughs> lines that I Oh, have. okay. Um, you didn't pick any of mine, so that didn't work out nicely. Yeah. But I'll go through them quickly. Um, so there's a scene where... It's right before the boys decide they're going to scare Angela. And for some reason, they're doing this like Halloween-esque thing where campers are blindfolded and they're putting their hands in bowls and telling them it's like, ooh, this is worse. Wait, yeah, this one was and so good. So it's like TC's doing it with someone and then they show like another girl doing it. And then Angela puts someone's hands in a bowl and she goes, ooh, dead teenagers, brains. And then another camper goes, Angela, what's really in there? And she says, dead teenagers, brains. And then that's it. And I just think that's so fucking funny because, of course, Angela is going to use actual brains. She's going to fucking open up someone's head that she killed. And she's like, this is perfect. I have an art project. Amazing. I'm going to use these. She's very versatile. She's an innovative. It will because of juxtaposition of, like, they cut and they pan over to, like, then they're at, like, a table right at the end where, like, the boy campers are like, we're going to scare the shit out of Angela. And yeah. I'm like, chief, she's got dead teenagers' brains in a box. You can't scare this bitch. Yeah, she's crazy. she doesn't give a shit. Uh, I love it. I just think it's, like, it's such an easy line to miss, but it's very in, in keeping yeah. with her character. Um, okay, this is a song. I just, like, really like this. I really enjoyed this line. Um, 
it's after the scene where Angela sings the Happy Camper song and she stumbles upon the shit sisters who are smoking and drinking by themselves in the woods. And one of them sings a beautiful rendition that goes like this. (laughs) I'm a happy camper. I love to drink and fuck. And if you pay me money on my titties, you can suck. I just think (laughs) so much fun. So great off the cuff shit sister. So funny. So great. They love to say tits in this movie too. That should be our national anthem if you fucking ask me. I almost suggested that I start the episode by singing that, but I was like, I don't want to turn oh, everybody off that. immediately. No. Um, if you're not love- down with these absolute bops, why are you listening? Mm, true. So that's one. Um, my very first line I was going to go with is just such a small line, but it, again, it's about tits. It cracked me up. Was It was early on when Allie is like, you know, walking around with her top off and everyone's like, oh my God, put a shirt on. And she goes why who's gonna see and then it cuts to charlie and emilio outside the window go and they go the tit patrol that's who yeah. <laughs> oh, i just like know in my heart that like i would be a member of the tit patrol i'm just like not like trying to look at women but i would call myself the tit patrol because it's fun and i would just like i love tits i'm we in would the be tit the patrol. patrol because we have amazing tits that's why we would be the tit patrol yeah i just like I'm just imagining us now, like, we're these amazing, we're, like, the really hot, of course, summer camp counselors, and, like, we roll into the mess hall, we've cropped our fucking camp shirts, our titties look fabulous, and we're like, tip patrols here! Yeah, Move. I love it. This is our table, get up. Yeah, and I just think it's so funny that, like, it's, like, two, like, ten-year-olds being like, we're the tit patrol, like, buddies, sit down. I mean, yeah, it's, like, gross, once again, like, very, um sorority babes of like these boys like mm. watching these girls and taking pictures but like yeah the line tip pat- patrol is funny it's just so funny because like you don't know that they're watching at that point and then yeah. it just cuts them they're like the tit patrol like obviously we're here right Ugh, i just love it i, I want a spinoff of those two characters although they died um and then my last line <laughs> i just it's it's too good to not mention i don't remember what the context is really but i know it's in the scene in the final act where Angela is in the cabin with Molly and Sean before she's killed Sean and she's just talking and talking and talking and she's like they're tied up they're scared they know they see all these dead bodies of all their friends around them and she says it's too bad they haven't figured out a way to make french fries nutritious I'm a nut when it comes to french fries oh yeah you're a nut when it comes to french fries yeah I just it's just like such an Angela thing to be so unaware of like her surroundings and the situation she's in she's just like I love french fries don't you guys love french fries I'm like why would you write that I love it thank you for writing that it did remind me of I you might remember from Supernatural the demon Meg like her whole bit I feel like every time when she like possessed somebody was like I gotta get french fries right now (laughs) I don't know what the fuck it is with evil people and french fries but I relate I fucking it get also it. reminds me of in Freaky Friday when they switch bodies and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I haven't had French fries in 10 years. And she's like eating the McDonald's in the oh, car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are just nuts for French fries. What can you do? I mean, I uh, get it. All so right. Yeah, I think with the eight lines that we just came up with, screenwriting is pretty good here. Oh, yeah. Not a flaw, of course. Um, no. Not a flaw to be seen. <laughs> Jesus. Um... <laughs> Okay, if you were in this movie, mm-hmm. who would your partner be? 
My partners would be the shit sisters a trillion percent because I am not somebody who would ever choose to go to a summer camp. I do not like the outdoors. I do not like being away from home for long stretches of time. Um, I don't like group activities. I don't like sports. Like camp is just like not my scene. And I really respect the fact that they were like, we're here. We're going to go do our own thing. We're going to get high. We're going to fuck around. We're going to laugh. We're going to sing songs. I would absolutely have been a part of that. I would have been their third sister for sure. Mm. Okay. Okay. What about you? I would honestly probably partner with TC. That's my pick. Um, Why? Girl, let me fucking say my piece before you okay. come for a girl's neck. So random. I was like, I have no idea who she's going to pick, but TC would not have been my guess. I mean, literally, like, what are my choices? I would pick TC because, one, I would love to be a camp counselor. You know, that's my dream. I don't care about being a fucking camper. I want to be a camp counselor. So I would probably be working closely with TC. I'm not going to pretend that I don't find TC attractive because I fucking do. Didn't he have, like, a mullet? He did have a mullet. And he also had those classic short shorts. Not um, as good as um the first one, though. Oh, I mean, those were, like, swim trunks, honestly, at that point. Yeah. But he was showing a good amount of thigh. And that's what counts, boys. We want to see your thighs. We love them. Um, honestly, we do. I love a good thigh. They're beautiful. That's honestly one of my favorite things on a man is yeah, a thigh. A thick thigh. Ooh! Ooh. Now maybe going to act up. Anyways. Um, but because one, beyond anything like attraction-wise, is because TZ just like fucking is such a better counselor than Angela because of the fact that like he isn't so he, – he has a control on his campers. But he also recognized that it's like there's there are kids at summer camp. This isn't like some educational yeah. ass camp. It's a camp to just like have fun. So you know what? If they're not hurting anybody, if they're not doing what, like they're safe at the end of the day, like I don't give a fuck. Like he just yeah. keep it down. Like he just seems like someone that would be chill to work with. I just know if I was a camp counselor, like Angela would piss me off. Like just trying to like be the I'm the counselor of the week. Blah blah blah. And like, oh, have you seen so and so? And I'd be like bitch chill the fuck out i felt like that girl that counselor they were talking about the that the other female counselor that we only mm-hmm. see a few times was like the short hair she's having a moment because like she's just out and about she's like whatever like just <laughs> doing her job but also like not taking it that seriously and i feel like that's tc's vibe i want tc to be my camp counselor boyfriend for the okay. summer so i think tc's my partner in crime for this one cool i love that we never have the same one it's beautiful it is. Yeah. All right. What would you change about this film? Okay. So this is what I was bringing about earlier. To bring it back to our huge discussion from earlier in the episode. But this film was being made today in theory. What I would do is I would quite honestly make Allie our final girl. Hmm. I would keep the conversation that's sort of in this film about being sex positive and all this shit. Um... But I would make Allie the fun. I would keep her very much the same. Like, this bitch likes to sleep in the nude. This girl likes to fuck. But she's not out to get the other girls. She's probably, in my movie, well-liked by the other girls. And she has fucking beef with Angela, still, because Angela is overtly not sex positive, does slut shame. Mm-hmm. Um... And I would just try to do something more interesting with the, you know, the gender politics and the sex conversation within the film, especially uh, on the topic of like, if you're going to keep Angela as um, a transgender woman in the film, 
I mean, that's a very, like, delicate subject to approach. So I would sooner say, like, especially with her being the bad guy of the film, to just not even have that be a part of it. Unless, like, honestly, you had, like, a transgender writer or director working on it that, like, can definitely speak to that more intelligently than somebody else could, like a white, straight man. Um, But, yeah, I would do a full 180 flip on all the sex stuff. Honestly, Molly could be there, but, like... And still be a virgin pure, whatever. But, like, she's not our final girl. We need more final girls that like to fuck. Because that's just how it is. And there should be nothing wrong with people that like to have sex. And there should be nothing wrong with people that don't want to have sex. There's nothing wrong with either. But we shouldn't put anyone on a pedestal like, well, you're more of a woman or you're more deserving because, like, you give it up. Or you're more deserving or more of a woman because you don't give it up. Like, that should be off the table so that's how I would switch it It was Allie is not a bad guy she's actually who we're rooting for wow so she can suck a dick and succeed I love it yeah ma'am she can the best of both succeed girl that's my 2021 vibe I'm into that I like that a lot I, I agree a lot about all of it and especially the like I feel like because they only bring up the transgender element so briefly and they just like don't touch upon it again there is that like invisible line of them implying the connection between her like psychopathy and her gender identity as like being mutually exclusive which they are obviously not um so i think yeah if you were gonna have her character still being a transgender woman then you need to have a bigger dialogue about it or it's just going to continue to like seem like the two are connected when they're not um but I guess for me my answer is boring because it's my answer for most of these which is just that I would want I want better practical effects every time I say it oh my god queen like <laughs> listen the effects in this movie are not bad they're not great I just like I need more effort than her hitting a girl on the head with a, a branch you know like there are some creative ones but there's also some where she's literally just like tosses somebody and they're like oh i'm dead and like when she thinks that molly's dead i was like she fell two feet she's dead what do you mean i just need a little bit more oomph behind uh you know behind it i just some of them are really great like you know setting someone on fire that's gonna do the trick decapitating them that's gonna do the trick but bopping me on the head i'm just gonna have a headache i'm not gonna die do a little bit more I mean, yeah, that log one in particular at the opening yeah. was so funny because, like, it's just, like, a big log, which in theory could do yeah. damage to someone, like, a lot. But she just, like, it's, like, whack. And then they yeah. cut to her, and she has this literal glob of red corn syrup just on the side of her head. Like, not dripping blood, not, yeah. like, profusely spurting it. It's just, like, they just, like, whack, like, through, like, a glob of corn syrup on the side of her face. And they're, like, that looks good to me. Yeah, it doesn't really inspire a lot of hope for the rest of the film, Um I remember rewatching yeah. it last night being like, oh, God, I thought I liked this movie. This is not starting off like real strong. And then it, it finds itself. But I mean, I'm always, always want more gore. I always want better effects. I mean, there's so many incredibly talented makeup artists and special effects people who can make incredibly lifelike and disturbing practical effects obviously mm. they were restricted with a budget I get that it's also the 80s but there's some shots I'm like the shot of like when she decapitates Sean and it like cuts right before and like before she does it and you can clearly tell it's a dummy's head like yeah <laughs> you couldn't have him do that and then like for a split second like 
cut away. Like you could do a little bit, a little bit better editing wise. There's something about that though in a very campy movie like this yeah. that like almost makes me like it more. Like when I saw that corn syrup thing at the beginning, I was like, that looks so dumb. But honestly, now I'm excited to see how fucking stupid the rest of it looks. And the dummy head shit, it's like, it's almost endearing for lack of a better word because you're like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, I don't believe that for a second, but I don't care because this movie is just so fucking silly that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it works for an 80s film. I don't think it would work if we were remaking it today. I mean, absolutely yeah. not, no. Yeah. <sighs> okay, well. Last. Is this our last one? Yeah. Um. Okay, lastly, Miss Alex, would you survive this movie? All right, I know that, like, I say yes every time because I am the star of my own film, and obviously, obviously. I, I can't fathom that I would ever die. Um, but in this context, even though every single person dies, I still like to think that I would survive purely because I'm very good at code switching. I'm very good at making people think I like them. There were so mm. many people at the theater who I could not stand, but they thought we were friends. And I don't oh my god, think the tea's being... coming out, you guys. The tea's Listen, coming out. I know that that sounds really fake and like bitchy, but I don't like to have problems with people. I don't want to have, you know, awkwardness. I would rather just be friendly to people, even if I don't necessarily like them, because then it just makes everything easier. So I think I would pick up pretty quickly the vibes that Angela was throwing out and being like, okay, well, she doesn't like this, this and this. I'm going to be very careful to not do those things around her. And when I'm talking to her, I'm going to be very, very friendly and very nice. So I think that she would think I'm like her fucking best bud she would love me and so therefore I would be spared okay I mm, so to go off your code switching thing I also feel and I think it comes especially when you work in customer service where like you are trained oh yeah not necessarily with your coworkers, workers you want to get along with them as well but like your customers like you can it's going to take a lot for you to break you have to do the like yeah okay through like gritted mm-hmm. teeth so you become very good at it doing that but as you know as well Alex I-, I can code switch like if it's like somewhere I'm like oh they're like whatever but if someone does something to like piss me off I have a very hard time in general honestly with a lot of my emotions I have my heart on my sleeve for better or for worse got that Aries fire baby you, yeah if I'm mad at you like despite any efforts or despite how I'm trying to be like even passive aggressive about like whatever the fuck I'm doing like you will know if I like you fuck you're gonna know even if I want to hide it like so I think that Angela I think I would, at first I'd be like oh if I was like let's say in a scenario I'm, I'm a camp counselor I'm meeting all the camp counselors and I'm like okay this one's a little tapped um interesting I'm gonna try to stay away but then I think her doing the whole slut shaming being a fucking helicopter counselor like just being like an asshole would like piss me off because I'm sure she would begin to then undermine other counselors like you're not doing enough she seems like the type um that then I would get very like standoffish and be like I don't know who the fuck this bitch thinks she is trying to ruin my summer and I would just I can't help it I probably can but I'm not gonna try um I would be just like I would just dislike her and it would be very obvious so I think that I'm not making it to the end uh 
solely on that. Not because I'm out being promiscuous or anything of the sort, but because like I'm not overtly trying to stop any of that. And I probably am overtly showing that like she pisses me off. So when we get to like that final, you know, round of her just kicking off everyone that's left at the camp that could possibly snitch on her yeah I'm getting it and I'm getting it bad yeah. probably I feel like if I did get get got it wouldn't be because I was being like because like I'm gonna do all the fucking shady shit I'm gonna be doing it I'm gonna be fucking around I'm right. gonna be drinking and smoking I'm gonna be having a good old time I'm just gonna hide that from her I don't think that she would catch me doing it because these people are not very slick but I do think that if I got got it would be in a situation like the other counselor where like she just stumbled upon it and you know got kind of trapped in a room with her um so that there's always that possibility yeah because she it's one of those things where it's like if I saw her coming head on I mean if she has a fucking chainsaw I don't know that there's much I can do but right. like she, the way that she's built I'm like I could take her we could, oh we she's could scrawny evenly match like you know I would have a fair chance it's but a lot of these kills do come which I think is the case actually for a lot of slashers other than like if you're doing like brute force Michael Myers. Like it is sneaking up on you. It is getting you mm-hmm. while your back's turned. And that would be like, you know, back turned stabbing me in the back a few times. Then yeah, then I'm yeah. already, you know, down for the count. But like that's how she would get me. Would be getting me with my back turned because I've made it known that I don't like her. Yeah. I, that so checks I'm not, out. Like everybody else, I'm going to add to the body count in this one. Well, it's but a high body I want to go, so. you know. I want to die at summer camp. R.I.P. Tip Patrol. Oh my god! Literally, long live the Tip Patrol. We need to get Tip Patrol shirts, and we need to get them now. That's gonna be our first merch. <laughs> we make Tip Patrol. Wait, somebody write it down. Somebody write it down. Oh, well, that I guess in a nutshell was Sleepaway Camp Two on Happy Campers. Yes, it was. Mm. Um. So we have to do our final little task yes. here, which is letting our audience know how we have ranked it on our incredible ranking system. <laughs> yes. Our one-of-a-kind final girl to busty blonde. I give this a solid three stars dumb jock. It's okay, fun. It's campy. It's not doesn't take itself too seriously. It still has issues, but overall, it's a movie I would like to show people. Yeah, I agree 100%. I also gave it dumb jock rating. Um, I think that if it weren't for the conversation, as we talked about like 17,000 fucking times in this episode, the whole, you know, the way it addresses women and fighting against each other, if it wasn't all that, I could definitely see myself giving this higher just because it is a lot of fun with everything else. It's that having, I cannot ignore that, that like I had to just kind of middle of the road it. Three stars. But, you know, it is really fun. I think for the most part, like, we try to be critical of it as women and also because, like, we're going to discuss it. Um, But I think if you're just watching this casually, like, most of the time with a lot of these films, I'm not going in for an 80s slasher being like, (laughs) and now how's this going to portray women? Like, because I know for the most part, it's not going to be favorable. Like, it is what it is. I can't change that. And if I just overtly started just not watching any of those movies, I would lose out on so many fun, crazy slashers. And it's because it's so common in the genre, too, that, like, Half the time I don't even notice it anymore because it's just like, yeah, of course it's there. But also seeing it just gives me a greater appreciation for the genre, for how it has evolved and how we see women now. Or even if I then happen to watch an 80s movie where we get something that's like, oh my God, that's like 
not really common for the time but I love to see it you have a greater appreciation for it so it's taking the good with the bad as always with horror because even with that like there's just bad horror movies not even because they're doing anything overtly offensive but just because they're not that good and you know what you got to take the good with the bad because a lot of the time as we said before there's maybe just even one moment in there one death one line one character that's interesting and you're like you know what I like that and maybe if that person was in this kind of movie or you know this idea was placed here we could have something even better so for all the negative stuff we said about this movie I think we would both recommend it it's really fun definitely one to watch with some friends you know if you're all vaccinated get together for a goddamn showing of you know Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Camper, um, and it will be a lot of fun. But yeah, that is Sleepaway Camp 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, and as always, you guys, as we reach the end of our episodes, we would like you to keep it creepy. Ooh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We want, as always, to thank those who've helped us get here. Without them, we would just be screaming about horror to each other instead of in a podcast form. So first, a big thank you to Bridget Garrity for creating our amazing artwork that we love. Please feel free to follow her and check out all of her other artwork on her Instagram at Bridget underscore Elizabeth XO. Support her. We love her. Literally, Anya's sister. Um, a huge thank you also to Nathan Graham, who is our musically talented friend and created our intro music please support him on his instagram at official blue caprice and check out all of his original music on spotify and lastly thank you to my guy greg Vellante for editing all of our episodes every month so we don't sound too stupid uh feel free to check him out on twitter at Vellante views and if you are so inclined and you for some reason like me and you want to follow me on social media I don't post very often. I am much more of a lurker, but please feel free. Uh, if you want to check out an occasional photo of my cats, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Bramley. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, please do. I love any form of validation. My Twitter is at agarity15. My Instagram is at G-E-E-W-A-Y, the number four, and then ever. So that's G-Way forever. And if you want to keep up with everything I'm watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd at agarity15, or you can just search my name and I should be the only Anya Garrity that pops up. Uh, I give my hot takes on a lot of horror movies there, as well as non-horror cinema as well. And if you just can't bear the thought of social media accounts that don't have both of our presence, fear not. You can follow The Girls Who Cried Be Horror on Instagram at The Girls Who Cried Be Horror and Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. You can also email us all your thoughts, opinions, and darkest secrets at thegirlswhocriedbehorror at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Leaving written reviews really helps us out and helps the podcast out a lot, and it only takes a minute. So please do us this kindness, and in return, you will own a piece of our souls forever. You'll become a horcrux. So thank you so much, y'all, and until next time, keep it creepy. The girls who cried be horror